we have a rare uh, double header this uh, today because Derek usually preaches third Sundays and it's just a quirk of plan not not planning because it wasn't planned a quirk of coincidence or circumstance or maybe the work of the spirit uh, that this morning sermon on mercy is going to be very closely connected to this evening sermon in our study of David in the story that we're going to talk about today uh, tonight of David and his name I'm going to say it wrong so many times Mephibosheth Uh, Such a hard name. Anyway, that's what we're going to be looking at, the story of David and Mephibosheth tonight. And very similar, mercy in our sermon this morning. And we're going to look at grace exemplified uh, this evening. So there will be some overlap. I, I, can't, I can't get around it. I can't avoid it uh, between this morning and this evening. There will be some overlap in the, the themes of the lessons. But I will try to distinguish between them. And, and really what we're going to focus on this morning as we think about the word mercy is mercy exhibited in our lives, how we show mercy. And this evening we're going to look at grace and mercy that is bestowed upon us by God exemplified by David. Now, we've been going through important words. We started last week with self-control, words of of Christian character. And there's a whole host of words, really. There's a a bunch of grouping of words that go along with the word mercy, uh, as you think about specifically as it's defined in the New Testament. And if you look up the words, the Greek uh, words for mercy, there's a a bunch of different ones. There's a, a variety of definitions that usually include kindness or compassion or loving kindness. Uh, there's a, 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 an element of cyclical definition, right? Where, what does it mean to be merciful? What means to show kindness? What does it mean to be kind? Well, it means to show mercy. And so you get sort of get the cyclical definition going on. So as we think about what these, these words mean, we're talking about mercy. We're going to talk a bit about kindness and compassion as well as we go through these words. What does it mean? What is mercy? Where does it come from in our lives and in our hearts? That's what we're going to be looking at this morning. And we might define it, begin to define it through example as Jesus does. As we think about the story of the Good Samaritan. Luke 10 verse 25, the setup. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to them, what is written in the law? Have you, how do you read it? He answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. And here's, if we just left it there, it'd be great. Awesome, right? Okay, I know what to do. I'm going to do it. Hooray for me. But he desiring to justify himself. What does that mean? To justify himself means he doesn't want to change. Isn't that what that means? I want to keep doing what I'm doing and I want to be righteous in what I'm doing, but I don't want to change anything. I just want to keep doing what I'm doing. And when we think about mercy, we're actually going to talk about a variety of words of Christian character over the next few weeks. And these words, really, we get into trouble when we refuse to let them be defined how God defines them and exemplified how God exemplifies them. And we seek to justify our own behavior. I just want to keep doing what I'm doing and I don't want to have to change. These words are challenging. And he said to Jesus, who is my neighbor? Wait, who do I have to do that for? (laughs) Who, Who do I have to love? Are we sure that this is everybody? Luke 10, then beginning the parable. Luke 10, verse 29. 
Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. He fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. Here's the first of our our sort of tertiary words, right? He had compassion. What does that mean? We'll talk about that as we go. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. He set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave it to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him. Whatever more you send, uh, spend, I will repay when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor of the man who fell among the robbers? He said, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, You go and do likewise. Again, we get into trouble in the parable. We think about the idea of justifying our own behavior. The parable is supposed to be challenging. Now, some important context for the story here. Samaritan, of course, was a second-class citizen, second-rate citizen in Israel. These are the people, the descendants of the people who remained behind in the captivities. A bunch of uh, Jews were sent off into captivity in Assyria and Babylon. The people who remained behind, they sort of intermingled and intermarried with people that were uh, natives in the land and people that were brought in by the Assyrians and Babylonians and so ended up being sort of this this mixed race sort of people and the Samaritans were not liked in Israel. Those who came back and had remained pure. Oh, we're better than you guys. You you second-rate people over there. We can't be dealing with any Samaritans. Contrasted, of course, with who? The priest and the Levite who should have been merciful. But we're not, right? What did they do? Yeah, I don't want to do anything with that. And so they go on the other side, right? They walk on the other side of the road. Can't be, I can't even get close to that. I don't want to even get too close. If I get too close, then I might feel bad and I might want to do something about it. Or if I get too close, he might touch me. Oh, I couldn't have him touching me. I'll just leave him over in the ditch. The priest and the Levite, who in the mind of the person that Jesus is talking to would have been the exemplary people, and of course, so the, ch- the parable is meant to be challenging. He's responding to somebody who wants to remain in his own behavior and feel righteous about it, to justify himself. Being a person of mercy is a challenge because it pushes back against the ideas that we might have of justice and fairness. Not justice and fairness as God defines them, but as we define them. What is fair? What is right? What is okay? What is acceptable? We have all these ideas in our minds and it's easy for us to begin to justify ourselves rather than to demonstrate mercy. We must keep in mind how Jesus concluded, right? What did he say to the man? Go and do likewise. Now, when we think about mercy in respect to the golden, or not the golden rule, well, the golden rule, but the second greatest command, right? Love your neighbor as yourself, do unto others as you would have them do unto you is the golden rule. We think about mercy, what does that mean? It means that if I want others to show me mercy, then I should be willing to show it to them, right? And if I'm going to be treating people unmercifully, that's what maybe I should expect. So we think about what do we learn from mercy from the parable? Well, first... Anyone can be merciful to anyone else. The contrast between the Samaritan and the priest and the Levite. The priest and the Levite, oh, they're the good upstanding citizens. They're the good moral people. But they're unwilling to be merciful. The nature of the Samaritan, even as a second class citizen, not that he was valued less in the eyes of God, but what made the Samaritan merciful was his heart and action, not his nature. The priest and the Levite, by their actions, demonstrated that their nature was unmerciful. 
Even though, again, in the minds of the person that Jesus is speaking to, they probably would have been the better people. Anyone can be merciful. It doesn't matter who you are, where you came from, what your past is. It matters what's in your heart and what you do. Second, mercy comes from compassion. He saw the man on the side of the road and he felt compassion for him. What is compassion? Well, Matthew 9, 35 through 37. Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Colossians 3, 12. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts. Kindness, humility, meekness, and patience bearing with one another. What does Jesus say? He says, as they're, they're going through and he sees their illnesses and their diseases and their afflictions. But then he sees what? They don't know God. Nobody's leading them to God. They're harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He feels compassion for them. Compassion is feeling hurt over others' hurt. Feeling bad when you see somebody who is in need. That's what having compassion is. Contrasted, we might say, with having a hard heart, right? To have a soft heart or a hard heart. To have a hard heart, to close your heart to somebody, is to see the pain and suffering that someone is in and to not allow yourself to be emotionally affected by it. It is easy to be merciful. Uh, easy is a relative term. It is easier to be merciful if you are in the habit of allowing yourself to feel compassion. Mercy comes from compassion. And we see that that mercy then is compassion enacted. Not that we just feel bad about somebody's circumstance, but then we act to do something about it. Now, in the, in the parable, that was, of course, what? He sees the man. He feels compassion. Oh, this man feels, look at it. He's in such a pitiful state. Oh, I feel so bad for this guy. But then he doesn't just walk on. Now, we could think about the Pharisee, not the Pharisee, the priest and the Levite who refused to allow themselves to feel compassion. They saw him, ugh, go over to the other side of the road. But the Samaritan did not just leave him there. His compassion motivated him to do something about it. James 2.15, if a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food and one of you says to them, oh, go in peace, be warm and filled without giving them things needed for the body, what good is that? Now, he's talking about faith and works in context of James 2, but we can make the application still to mercy and compassion. It's all great to feel compassion, but if you don't do anything with it, what good was that? The answer is none, right? Your compassion didn't mean anything if you didn't do anything with it. Mercy is compassion enacted, carried out in some tangible way, whatever that is. Mercy involves actually doing something, and in the case of the Good Samaritan, doing many things, going out of his way to help. And in this sense, mercy is closely connected to the word kindness, which is more generally defined as doing good doing good to somebody. And there's a lot of reasons we could be kind. Mercy, might, we might say, the acts of mercy are a subset of kindness. You can be kind to people who do not need help, who do not, you do not feel compassion in your heart for them because they have no need. You can still be kind. You can still be good to people. Mercy is that subset of kindness that comes from being hurt over other people's hurt. That's what mercy is. Finally, we see in this parable, Mercy is unconcerned with repayment. 
If you are kind to others to receive kindness in return, you have not been merciful. Now, you may have been kind. Don't get me wrong. You may still have done good to somebody. But if you are doing good only for what can be done back to you in return, the repayment that you can make, you are not being merciful. The Samaritan did not seem concerned whether or not the person could pay him back. In fact, in the the way that Jesus lays out the parable now, right? This is a parable, not a real story, but we can kind of go too far in the weeds sometimes on parables. But the way that Jesus lays out this story, the Samaritan really has no way of knowing if he even could. He has no idea about the man's financial status. The Samaritan doesn't have any idea if he's rich or if he's poor, or if he has resources or if he doesn't. If what, he doesn't have any idea. He just does the good thing without any reasonable expectation of repayment. That is mercy. Matthew 9, 10 through 13. Jesus reclined at the table in the house. Behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus' his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Again, the outcast of society. But when he heard it, he said, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick go therefore and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. What does this mean? He tells them, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. Now, he's quoting Hosea. And in Hosea, the word is a little bit more severe. Uh, I desire steadfast love, the, the word has said, which is a broad, big, huge word in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, Jesus quote, Matthew recording it later in Greek, uses a much narrower word, the word mercy that we've been talking about. Who are we willing to show mercy to? Now, in the Pharisees' case, they were only willing to show mercy to those who sort of already deserved it, right? Those who were good people already. Whose suffering causes us pain? Well, the Pharisees, the the tax collectors and sinners, their suffering didn't cause the Pharisees any pain. In fact, I would go so far as to say the opposite, that they were slightly happy when the tax collectors and sinners were suffering. The opposite of mercy. How uncomfortable are we willing to let our mercy make us? In the parable of the Good Samaritan, he went all out of his way. Spent so much money to help this guy. In the life of Jesus, it's just socially uncomfortable, even though Jesus probably doesn't even feel it. Maybe we would, though. Mercy might lead us into places that are uncomfortable, awkward, a little bit difficult? Are you willing to let your mercy lead you to those places? Now, we might consider the opposite of mercy instead. We can think about the positive example, but the opposite. Colossians 3, verse 8. Now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with his practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free. But Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against one another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, you must also forgive. Now, we're going to do in a couple weeks its own lesson on forgiveness. We're not going to go into the weeds on forgiveness, except to say that forgiveness is an aspect of mercy, right? We feel bad about others' situation and we extend some sort of kindness to them, that might be forgiveness. There are other things about forgiveness too, of course. What kinds of attitudes get in the way of mercy? Well, we see anger and wrath might prevent us from showing mercy. 
so angry at you. I'm not going to be kind to you. I'm not going to do even though even though you need help, even though you're in some dire straits, I'm so mad at you or I'm so mad about something about your life that I refuse to show mercy because I would rather instead of showing mercy, what would I rather show? Wrath. Retribution. Vengeance. Isn't that what we want most of the time? I think most of the time. Man, I'd just rather get even than be merciful. Human divisions. He says here what? Greek and Jew, circumcised, circumcised, Scythian, slave, free. These divisions can prevent us from showing mercy. Remember the, the story. The Good Samaritan comes from this idea. The guy asks, wanting to justify himself, who is my neighbor? Who do I have to show mercy to? Surely it's just people like me. But that's Paul's point. These human divisions are things that might prevent us from being merciful. I have to be merciful, but only the people who are like me. That could be race, that could be nationality, that could be socioeconomic status, that could be history, that could be any number of things. Socially, we make these divisions and we allow these divisions to prevent us from being merciful to those who need help. Because the primary question of mercy is simply, who needs help? Mercy is unconcerned with, who are you, what have you done, what's in your life, what's in your past, are you different than me? Mercy simply considers, how can I love my neighbor as myself? What kinds of actions demonstrate unmerciful hearts? Well, the desire to punish, we already talked about a bit, vengeance, to exact the full measure of justice, that is the opposite of mercy. Speaking badly of others is unmerciful. What does he say? Put away all evil speaking, he says in another place. Speaking badly of others demonstrates a heart that is unmerciful because rather than keep, even if you know bad things about other people, rather than keeping them to yourself, that might be the merciful thing. I don't need to share everything I know. I don't need to be a gossiper or a rumor monger. I don't need to do those sorts of things. Those are other commands, right? Rather than sharing everything I know, I could keep that to myself. That would be merciful. To treat somebody well, even if they don't quote unquote deserve it, holding grudges is unmerciful. It kind of might actually be one of the best ways to define being unmerciful is holding grudges against another. Only being kind to those who deserve it is unmerciful. Again, we think about the idea of repayment, but maybe we can think about it in a different way. I'm going to be willing to help you, but only if you satisfy these conditions first. Well, that might be unmerciful. And so as we think about the idea of mercy in our lives, again, this morning we're talking about as we exemplify mercy, things that we do to show mercy, Tonight we're going to look at God's actions of mercy. We must conclude with the importance then of mercy in our lives. Why does this matter? Again, it goes back to the things, the greatest commands, the things that Jesus says. Love your neighbor as yourself. Treat others the way you want to be treated. There's a certain reciprocal nature of mercy, specifically in our relationship with God. Matthew 5, 7. Blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. Now there's an inherent implication there, right? The merciful are those who receive mercy. What about the unmerciful? Well, he says it more explicitly later on. Matthew 18, 32, in another parable, the parable of the unforgiving servant. His master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you have not had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? We're repeatedly warned of the reciprocal nature of mercy in our relationship with God. We show mercy to others because God has shown mercy to me. I did not deserve it. I was not a good person. 
I was not in a place to help myself. I was not somebody who could even repay God. What am I going to do to repay God? I mean, what, what does he need? Yet he still showed me mercy. Likewise then, we should expect the same kind of mercy from God that we show to others. The merciful shall receive mercy. The, inherent, the implied inverse of that, cursed are the unmerciful, for they will not receive mercy. And so we think about our habits, the way we treat other people. Think about the last week, even just the last week. The opportunities that you saw other people hurting. Number one, did their pain cause you to feel sorrow? If not, then you're missing the first step, compassion, right? We need to feel sorrow at other people's hurt. That's compassion. But then number two, you felt the compassion maybe. What did you do with that compassion? Did you do anything with it? And if not, then what good was your compassion? And then number three, if that's how you treat other people, how should you then expect God to treat you? Romans 1, 29 through 31, and then 2, 2 through 5. This would be the last verse we read. Thinking, of course, about the worldly, those who are lost, they are gossip, slanders, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. He has this long list. We know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. Do you suppose, O oh man, you who judge those who practice such things, yet do them yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? Do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, the riches of his mercy, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance, but because of your hard and impenitent hearts, refusing to change, seeking to justify ourselves. That's the hard and impenitent heart. You are storing up for wrath for yourself on the day of wrath, when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. If we want to avoid the wrath on the day of judgment, what should we do? Take the mercy of God and allow it to change us. That's repentance, right? To stop doing the things that we were doing and to do some different things. To admit that our ways are wrong and God's ways are good and then to endeavor to do those things. And in the case of mercy, it then is taking the mercy of God, allowing it to transform our hearts so that we feel compassion for others instead of having hard hearts and extending that mercy to others. It's not the only thing that will help us avoid the day of wrath, but it is a necessary thing to help us avoid the wrath that is being stored up for those who are disobedient to God. So as we conclude... The mercy of God exemplified, we'll see tonight more clearly, exemplified, of course, in the sacrifice of Jesus, showing compassion on those who were in need. That's us. We were in need, separated from God, lost, totally incapable of helping ourselves, like the guy on the road, un incapable of helping himself. Jesus extends mercy to us in the sacrifice of himself, in part so that we can then turn around and do that to others. So if you need help, we can hopefully be merciful to you. But if you need God's mercy, we know what to do, right? To confess him, to repent, to be immersed into Christ, 
so that then we have received that mercy can show it to other people. Come while we stand and sing.